0: Music, music, movies, movies culture, culture, and faith. faith. Featuring your, and host, your host, John Gibson and Joel Flores.
1: Hey, welcome to Between the Frames, where we look at movies, music, and culture, and try to find the deeper meaning there. I'm your host, John Gibson, joined as always by my co-host and friend, Joel Flores. What's up, Joel?
0: Thanks for making that. Uh, thanks for making that connection, there, John. I'm sure nobody's figured that out yet by now, but uh, I'm looking forward to today's episode, John. Uh, yeah, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one. Two, two of our favorites here, so oh yeah, should be some good stuff today.
1: What connection is that? That we're friends, or that? <laughs>
0: And Nobody's figured it out by episode 20. Was this episode 23, 24? What's it going to be? That's a good question.
1: I I have two, actually. It is 23. Good call on that one. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, actually, Mm, um, we've been doing this for a year, too. So you know, thanks to all of our listeners and
0: I feel like we should have like a little an- one year anniversary like special I know, or something. I, know.
1: I don't we, know. I we should. We should. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to we'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll have we'll to talk think, about that. think more about that. But I, I agree. Um we're we're grateful. And like Joel said, we're we're here today continuing in the series that we've been in, looking at American music, looking at two of my favorites and Joel's favorites today, Ray Charles and Johnny Cash, uh, specifically with the film Ray, which stars Jamie Foxx, Terrence Howard, and directed by Taylor Hackford. 2004 film, and then Walk the Line, which stars Joaquin Phoenix, Reese Witherspoon, directed by James Mangold, and a 2005 film. So, um... Yeah, in fact, we've, we've actually talked about a James Mangold film before. We looked at Logan, and, um, and I'm actually kind of excited because I believe James Mangold is slated to do a biopic about Bob Dylan, one of my favorites, and um, I, I'm not 100% sure, and I can't remember whether we've talked about him or not, Timothée Chalamet. I'm not a huge fan of him, and he's the one who's supposed to be playing Bob Dylan, so the jury's still out in my mind about that. Um, you know, he was in Dune, if you saw the new the new rendition of Dune by Denis Villeneuve, who has done some really good stuff. He did the Blade You mean, you
0: mean Villanueva? Villanueva? Villanueva?
1: It isn't Villanueva,
0: is it? Yeah. What? Yeah, it is. No. That's, yeah, he's... Yeah, it is. Are you sure? <laughs> Just mess. Yeah, dude, that's how you say it. But anyway, uh, it's okay. But anyway, the 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 movie Dune, the remake, was awesome. Yeah, I really liked it.
1: Dude, he's French Canadian. There's I mean, no I like way. Dune he's, anyway, he's French Canadian, man. He doesn't pronounce it like a Puerto I, Rican. I, Come on. I'm. I'm. I'm messing with you. Oh, all right. You're totally messing with me. I'm like, wait a minute. I totally missed it. Now I'm being... uh, I see how it is. Hey, everybody.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, I just made... Ladies and gentlemen, I just made John, live in the show, go and look it up. Anyway, I'm just messing with you. But that movie is fantastic. And and I kind of... To be honest, I kind of really liked him in that role. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking about um, um, who played uh, the main... The main character, uh um, right.
1: Paul Atreides. Uh, I'm just Paul uh, read, Atreides. Paul Atreides. Yeah.
0: Here here I am reading reading the books, and my brain went totally okay. Oh so that was like a little payback there. My brain just shut down. So I, I kind of liked him in that, to be honest, mm-hmm. but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. So I think he might do a good Dylan. They should have just had Jacob Dylan do Dylan. But anyway.
1: Yeah, seriously. <laughs> right. Yeah, he probably cause, well because he sounds like his dad too. But but we digress. He probably anyway.
0: could have done it. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, well, it's does. gonna be good. I think it'll be fun.
1: Yeah, it'll be good. I, you know, I, I was just talking to my boys the other day about because my my son Tucker and I went to see a uh, jujutsu kaisen, which is a an anime thing. He really wanted to see it, so we went, and I I had no background at all on on the you know, the context of the the manga or the show or anything. So I always judge it based on can somebody walk in off the street and see this and still enjoy it? And I thought it was still enjoyable. But one of the things that I said was, you know, the more and we've said this before, Joel, I think the 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 bigger your fan base, the harder it is to please them. Right. And so when you've got things like Star Wars, Batman, Superman, you know, Spider-Man, all these things, the nerdier people are, the more their expectations, you know, the higher the expectations are. So um, with 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 Dylan fans are going to be people who are never going to be happy, even if Dylan himself played Dylan, probably so. But anyway, we digress. Talking about... it's all connected. It's all connected. It is. It is. You know, and talking about two beloved... I I would dare say that they're beloved um, American music characters between Ray Charles and Johnny Cash. And, you know, I don't think... Watching these movies again, I don't think I... Fully, and then this is the whole premise of our show, really. Joel is seeing things that we didn't see before and dig and helping other people see some of that stuff. And when you look at Ray Charles and Johnny Cash, you may not at first glance say, okay, these guys are, are there's any connection or similarities or anything. But the more that I dug into their stories, the more I thought, gosh, these guys, they both had some tragedies in their. In their childhood, they both grew up in pretty extreme poverty. They both had a hard time breaking into music with their own sound. But once once they found their sound, I think it's safe to say that both Johnny Cash and Ray Charles are probably among the most recognized vocally musicians Uh in american music I don't, would you agree joel or
0: oh yeah for sure And there and you're dead on they are two sides of the same coin too i mean you're know, from gospel hymns to you know having grown up in the south there's a lot of that right and then you have it's interesting because in the south as we all know there was definitely jim crow and there was a, a big separation between you know um, societally, culturally speaking, black and white. We all know this. But the music, again, is something that brings people together. And, you know, we've talked about Jerry Lee Lewis. We've talked about Buddy Holly. We've talked about Elvis, obviously. They they had a love and an appreciation for um, not only having grown up in church, but when you're in the South, you know, having experienced it all stems from the that blues, you know, mm-hmm. gospel Yep. sound and then also I think you know being in the south you also have that country um you know that country flavor in there like I love I don't particularly love country as a genre actually mm-hmm. older stuff I enjoy more the and and actually to be honest some of the some of the newer almost like they're almost kind of like giving it a hip hop feel <laughs> yeah I actually kind of like some of that stuff mm-hmm. but but the point is is I think like the true songwriting, not the corny, you know. Hey, you sold my tractor, right? And, you know, <laughs> yeah,
1: the you the, know, yeah, save the a cliche horse, horse,
0: ride a cowboy, yes, but, you know, whatever, all that stuff. I it just drives me crazy, but but I think that. Like, I love Bayou music. Mm-hmm. Like, I love John Fogarty, mm-hmm. Creedence Clearwater. I, oh, like, yeah. I love that that Bayou blues sound, sure, uh, sure. country sound. Zydeco, you know, the streamliner yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. And it's a lot of, like, Johnny Cash. That's what that is, oh, right? yeah. So you think, about, you think about it. I have a lot of these guys' albums, both of them. I have a lot of Ray. I have a lot mm-hmm. of Johnny Cash. And I know we're talking about Bob Dylan. I have probably, like, 10 of his albums. And the thing is, is that... You, you they feed onto one another, mm-hmm. and that's the point. Also, is that these two guys probably never knew each other, or uh, they probably did, but they they didn't start out knowing each other. And the thing is, is they do. They have similar. <clears throat> they have tragedy. And what's interesting is music's the equalizer because mm-hmm. just because Johnny Cash is white doesn't mean he was afforded all the uh, the opportunity. He was still a poor guy yeah. who who you know had everything against him, and um and then you're then he's playing a music that's you know. Almost outlawed or regulated or shunned upon. We talked about that in the Alan Freed story, and and then you have Ray, who's black, so that's working against him. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and right. then you
0: have them trying to find their sound, and, and and so it is interesting. It's interesting how tragedy drives great creative. And I think we talked about how we don't want these people to go through this pain, but you know, like if you removed it with would the with would the with would the music, be as great. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, absolutely. It's one of those, Oh gosh! It's one of those things you don't wish these things on people's lives. You really don't. But but they took the tragedy and the hardship, and they made something beautiful from it. Really,
1: oh, you know, exactly. Legendary. Well, well, and you know, depending on how people deal with that tragedy, depending on how we deal with that tragedy, can speak a lot to how far into our future it actually progresses, I think. And, and you know, that's one of the things that I think Mangold did and Walk the Line was, even into his adult years, Johnny Cash was just haunted by, in fact, to, haunted to the point of, I think, probably was one of the things that led him to some of the substance abuse and drug use that he was into, was losing his brother in such a tragic way and feeling somewhat responsible for that, you know? And and I think when, you know, I, I've heard people say that one of the hardest losses to get over is is a parent losing a child. And for Johnny Cash's parents who lost their beloved son and then Johnny Cash being made to feel like A, it was his fault and B, the wrong son was taken. How many times that was actually spoken or if it was implied? Uh, I know this is a, you know, a, a fictional or, well, it's a, it's a depiction uh, of what really happened, but golly, that's a lot of pressure for anyone. And, uh, um, you know, we, Stand by Me is another film that you think about how the main character lost his brother and how he was kind of the second-rate child because he wasn't the the sporty kid and, and same thing here with with Johnny Cash and gosh there's so many things to pull out of that to me is especially for those of us who have multiple children with like gifts across across the board some of them are athletic some of them are artistic some of them are you know just more cerebral so what does that look like as far as loving each kid individually without making them feel like one of them is better than the other you know and that's what johnny cash had to deal with he had to deal with this idea that he went fishing and his brother was was cutting wood and and died from this tragic accident what if he had been there could he have stopped something you know somehow or and that's a hard hard thing to have to go through life with
0: absolutely I mean you know those are the things that I think people they're they're common for a lot of people's stories you know losing a sibling uh being chosen over somebody I mean um you know, I was watching a, a show series that um, I won't get into because we can't unpack it. But I was watching a show series that's on Prime, and you know, one of the first thing that happens is there's a tragedy to uh, the baby of this family. It's a black family. It's mm-hmm. a tragedy. This woman comes and they take him and you know it's in the south north carolina and anyway it's this thing about how you know they have a couple girls later and they go and move and but it's this tragedy that's with them the the horror of it and you don't really find out as the audience till the story unfolds Mm. but you know people carry these things with them these kinds of especially back then when you could you know it was easy to swap a child out or, you know, have a mistaken, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there wasn't the way to keep track of things like there is now. And, uh, yeah. you know, people are cruel, man. Like yeah. we, we do, we do some cruel things and you, you're like a parent as a parent, you go, how, how could you ever do that? You know what I mean? Right. But, but, right. Uh, it happens and it happens a lot, a lot more than we would like to say. I mean, I see it in my community here, mm-hmm. kids, uh, you know, never write them off. We we have to give them an opportunity for hope because you never know what's going to, you know, especially speaking from a faith perspective, God can redeem anything and sure. you know, while we don't want pain to be part of our story and certainly that kind of unnecessary tragedy, um it is what we do with it. You know what I mean? Now, yes. for Ray and Johnny, let's let's jo- dive in a little bit. Let's talk about Ray. For for these guys, um you know, for Johnny Cash, definitely um his addictions were a coping mechanism which mm-hmm. i think most of us right. identify oh, with, with gosh, ray yes. it wasn't so much a coping mechanism though he wasn't so much reliant it was that he got into heroin mm-hmm. because they were you know at first he didn't touch it but the guys was part of what the band did and i think for ray was he was always the outsider right he was the blind guy he was the guy who though very talented had to you know he he makes a good point in this story when he's talking to his 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 wife when they're dating and this is before he starts to have his drug problem he's saying you know with the sound finding his sound he's like i i i sing other people's music and i play it and i do it well because i get paid and i make money he's like you know if i fail what if i fail doing my own thing and people don't like he's like there's not a lot of options for a blind Man, Mm -hmm. much less a blind black man. (laughs) There's not a lot of options for me. And, you know, personally I like being able to earn my own money. You know, so that's something that I never thought about that I ever considered and thought, wow, he's you know, it is risky. It was a risk. So then he sees these guys and he wants to become part of the part of the gang. He wants to feel included, right? Well what happens is obviously it does unlock a lot of creativity in him, but as we all knew as the audience, it's going to be an addiction because this was an epidemic that was happening everywhere in that music scene mm-hmm. actually for a lot of the artists in the in the 50s a lot of these guys one of the ways they were all coping was heroin was a big deal and you know it was a way that they were coping and and i think a lot of it had to do with not only upbringing but the fact that they knew they were getting screwed by producers and labels and all that kind of stuff and working like you know, working like mm-hmm. uh, dogs is a stupid saying, I guess a working dog, but working like crazy, working hard and, yeah. and doing these shows for them and then not even really seeing the benefit of it. And then being told you can't eat in a restaurant or you can't go to the bathroom here. And we see that happen in Ray. Right. right. We see that stuff yes. happen. Yes. And uh, yeah, you know, I mean, just <sighs> yeah, let's dig into his story. Well, and, and,
1: story. and I think the thing is, uh, you know, the time you know this is the 50s right i mean it was probably what yeah 50s 60s early 60s um yeah
0: we're ta- yeah we're talking about 50s 60s even 70s right yeah
1: and and even from then till now when you had i mean again we've talked before about the fact that you know, racism isn't completely dead though some people would try to make you think it there's still issues there depending on where you are there's still a system there that that has a major impact. But the other thing is, when you're talking about some of the struggles, they are becoming a little less stigmatized than they had before. And so people are much more willing to talk about things than they ever used to be. And so I think that's, that's the thing. And you know when we experience things like, like Ray Charles experienced losing his eyesight at a young age, and 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 it didn't. I mean, his father really wasn't in the picture either, but his mom was. I think some people would say that the depiction of his mom in the film was cruel, especially in in today's snowflake culture, where you know people are giving everybody participation trophies and whatever the fact that his mom was, was saying, Hey, you need to do this by yourself. And here the, the kids losing his eyesight. Some people would say, well, that just, just not fair. But, but I think that really made him into who he, he was because his mom said, I'm not going to treat you like a cripple. I'm not going to treat you like handing everything to you. And I, you know i think there's there's a contingent of people on both sides of that argument who would say give them everything don't make them do anything and then there's the people who might be just downright cruel who say well i'm just going to treat you like everyone i'm not going to provide anything for you and but like you said before earlier joel that that our, these things in our lives they shape who we are and i think the music of both of these guys was so significantly shaped by the hardships they experienced whether those were hardships that were self-induced or they were hardships that they you know they just encountered because of because of life
0: that's right and you know again we're grateful because <laughs> we're grateful because of the music that we get from it. Right. So you look at the story with Ray, he's, he has a problem with, it, it causes him to have problem relationally. He's always looking for someone who is going to care for him or vice versa that, you know, he, he cares about, he has this thing that he does where he, he feels the girl's hand and he, her wrist and you see him do that. And they go, why, why do you do that? He goes, I can tell how, how pretty she is. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like by that, and he's, he's kind of a, the thing that should be distinguished is he is a gentleman there are Mm -hmm. stories where you have guys like like for example i don't know if you've ever seen um why do fools fall in love the story about frankie lyman Mm -mm. which is actually one of the first movies charlotte and i ever saw together was it was a double feature at the mansfield drive-in blaze and then why do fools fall in love we weren't dating yet we were hanging out okay we were hanging out and so everybody went i gathered everybody we went for a big like outing and uh Actually, okay, this is a funny story. I'm going to tell it real quick. So this is actually how Charlotte and I started dating. So <laughs> that night, I we were inviting everybody, and I was, like, specifically working it out so that I picked her up in the car and, you you know, all that kind of stuff. And it worked out. So we went down there, and we're all watching this movie. We're kind of outside inside the vehicle. Well, it started to get cold because it was, like, October. And everybody didn't want to see the second feature. They went to another screen. So Charlotte's like, I want to see this movie. So I was like, yes. So um, (laughs) we're watching the movie and there's some other funny aspects to it. But we enjoyed the film and the film. um, Frankie Lyman, you know, who's (laughs) ironically one of their biggest songs, The Teenagers, is I'm not a juvenile delinquent and I used to joke with my dad all the time like you know no 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 I'm not a juvenile delinquent <laughs> right like that's the song and it was the song that was out about like listen boys and girls be good you know here's my message to you be good don't do anything bad blah blah blah, blah. it's a really famous song but the point is I used to tease my dad because you watch that movie. He was the biggest crack heroin user, and he abused women like crazy. Wow. And you're watching this movie, and it was like like watching Motley Crue. Right. And I'm sitting here going, so I go to my dad. I go, he's like, you know, when everybody was nice back in the fifties, I go, they were all on drugs, man. I'm like, what are you talking about? They just wore three piece suits or whatever, right, right, so, oh sure, so, you know, it, it, and not. Not to make light of it, but the point is, is this is the struggle of a lot of musicians. And growing up now, like being older, I understand why, um, why they struggled with this and why Mm -hmm. it was such a thing. But the point I'm making is Ray was not a violent man. Mm -hmm. He had some issues, but he wasn't violent. Like James Brown, James Brown was violent. You know what I'm saying? Oh, totally. Like, um... And, and and fiery, you know, and and uh you know, and and Frankie was he was kind of violent. So, you know, there at least there was that aspect. So he struggled right. with it, yes, but he he kept some of those things in check and really um the relational issues were a big problem. Now you go into Johnny, right, and obviously he marries his his love. Um throw her name out, Reese Witherspoon plays mm-hmm. her. Uh, what is her name? i June, June. Oh, Carter, June. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So Reese, I love them both in this. By the oh, way, oh, totally. So, so Joaquin so Phoenix good. and Reese Witherspoon were great in this. And anyway, the point I'm making is it's kind of like that. Like they they meet musically. They they have this pretty legendary romance marriage, mm-hmm. but also there's a lot of hardship and breakup and loss and you know I mean. The musician, the traveling musician, who's you know, you know with all the women and all that kind of you know the groupies. There's that whole temptation, and you have these guys who have already a fractured maybe ego, a fractured um, past that they're they haven't really reconciled or had any way to deal with, and now they're famous, and now mm-hmm. they're doing drugs, <laughs> and and so naturally you're going to have these kind of issues. I think John, if I could say. The only difference, and this is the only difference, because he and Cash experienced a lot of the same things. But The only difference was, this is where the race card Mm -hmm. worked a little bit better in Johnny Cash's favor because of how he struggled. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like There were certain places, there were places he didn't get really barred from going to, or he didn't have the extra... The extra social pressure beyond the fact that, you know, he's a rock and roll star and people don't wanna they have a they have a bigotry towards that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it wasn't because of his race or how he looked, in yes. other
1: words. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: which shows yeah. you which shows you as similar as they are and as similar as their stories are, mm-hmm. and they probably would have been hanging out all the time, that there was that definite social distinction.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because you, you talk about the, the race distinction, and there was one scene in, in Ray which really stood out to me. You, you know, it was that in-between time, Jim Crow is happening, and yet in in a country like America where there's generally a patriotism and a respect for for military people who have served— up until the the 19 late late 60s early 70s with the whole Vietnam era which is a whole other story but one of the ways that ray gets to the the white bus driver to I really what you're take yep. take a, a a notice of him is basically lying to him and saying hey i lost my eyes in normandy and and the the actor does a great yeah. job plus i think director does a great job too because you can see the the dilemma in this guy's eyes that he's like all right it's a black guy i shouldn't care about this guy but he just told me that he fought in in world war 2 that he was there on the beach of normandy for one of the most atrocious and violent uh, wars of the, the past century and decades. And so, and, and I think, you know, that speaks to, to Ray Charles' like brilliance in his ability to be able to, you know, I mean, sure, he was lying, but gosh, I thought it was kind of funny. And it's like survival of the fittest. You do whatever you need to do in order to keep surviving. And he knew that he was working against the system. And so, hey, I'm going to give myself a little push here and draw some compassion because this guy's just not going to know what to do. He's not going to know what to do with me because on one hand, I'm a black man. On another hand, I'm a a war veteran who was injured in in a major battle. So, Yeah. Yeah, well,
0: well, definitely. And uh, that's it's an amusing. It is an amusing scene It's when I chuckled at, but also his he, he knew how to be colloquially polite as well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, oh, yeah. and there was that whole, you know, Ray, Ray learned to navigate and he was charming. Mm-hmm. He was very charming. And yeah. I think he always was. Right. So. Those things did work in his favor, and then you know when he opened his mouth and was playing, it was just unbelievable. I love, I love the fact that you know you wrote this down when he met a young Quincy Jones, right? Mm -hmm. He was fifteen years old when he when he when he ran into him, and you think about all the things that Quincy has accomplished and and the legend that he is. But you know these these guys these these budding these budding legends Mm -hmm. basically, and you're kind of watching like an inside window of their story. Yes, and you know it it makes me wonder. Mm. You know, what what kind of an influence did somebody like Ray Charles mm-hmm. have even on someone like Johnny Cash? Oh. You sure. know what I mean? Like, sure. you know, because it wasn't that far removed from him starting his own music career. But but you think about that Delta sound. You think about um you know, one of the things I love that Johnny really did was he brought mainstream so so blues was always a thing, but he brought um he brought a like a uh, what do you call it a not just a delta, but he brought like that that old. Um, I picture you driving down either Route sixty six or driving down the Dixie Highway, mm-hmm. and and it's this this deep Southern route like blues feel to the forefront. And a lot of what he did was he took that simple, you know, a lot of that music's written on like you know train a train chugging along mm-hmm. or like a, a horse walking down the street that. Sure, and oh, you hear, yeah. it, you know, like a dum 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 dum, and use right. those to use those rhythms to really kind of. But that was, you know, that was music that was more, you know, more folk at the time, right? Mm-hmm. The storytelling and all that kind of stuff. But he brought it to the forefront and gave it a kind of a a rock blues sensibility about it, and yes. that's what I love about how music has evolved. Yes, and you think about all those aspects, you know that both of these guys are the kind of people who definitely influenced your your Hendrixes and your Stevie Ray Vaughns mm-hmm. and so many different, you know, maybe like the Texas blues sound and all that, right? Oh,
1: gosh. Yeah, and and, and to, to what you just said, Joel, too, about kind of the reinvention, um, you think about what happened in Ray when he decided that he wanted to, like, use an orchestra and he wanted to do other things. And, you know, one of Ray Charles... Uh, most famous albums, I think, is Modern Sounds and Country and Western Music. And here, Ray Charles is saying, I I don't want to be pigeonholed. It's like once he broke out from not sounding like Nat King Cole, from finding his own sound, then he said, how can I take my sound and let it evolve even more? And same thing with Johnny Cash. I mean, among my favorite and i think among some other people's favorites of his recordings were the ones that he did with Rick Rubin in his later years when Rick Rubin this which who i think is a genius in regards to his producing when you when you look at his resume and see that the guy's done anything from like hardcore metal to rap to country to all these other things. But I mean, I don't know who can listen to Johnny Cash's version of nine inches, nine inch nails hurt and not feel some major emotion, especially watching the video. But, but that's the thing is taking who you are and not like just phoning it in and saying, I'm just going to keep doing the same thing I've been doing for years and hope that I keep, keep all the the listeners that i had before or are you gonna say hey how can i continue to change and evolve and and let my my talent and my music and style be transformed a little bit you know
0: absolutely i mean you, you know and, and that's so so right now if we're if you're listening to this episode and you have not seen i i honestly think you should actually see both of them and maybe kind of watch them back to back. Because like you were saying, John, watching them kind of in tandem, because I, I have them both too and I never really watched them back to back till we were talking about this. But you start to see all these things where you go, wow, like, um there's there's these sim there's this innate similarity, but also you can see the evolution of where music is going because okay, so like let's talk about Mess Around. So Mess Around became his first big hit. Mm-hmm. And it's cool because his producer um, who was very musically sensible you know was a writer and helped him actually discover his own sound and but mess around is one of those songs that was definitely a classic it's a classic Ray Charles but it was definitely um you know kind of a a shuffle-swinging 50s song, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it was one of those that you would hear. The thing that made it unique was his piano playing was very, very unique. But it was definitely one of those songs that you would think, okay, this is very, very 50s. You got the big saxophone. You got the whole, I can I can picture, you know, maybe something like Fats Domino would do or something like that, right? Now, as he, once he had that, then he started to evolve into his sound and the way that we know him. He started to bring mm-hmm. in some really... You know, he did like that whole gospel album. He started to bring in those aspects and started to move into soul, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Started to lay the foundations of soul. And so you think about that in this era, you start to already see the evolution moving out of that era into the next. Mm -hmm. And you start to lay the foundations for soul, which then you had, you know. As the groups evolved in the '60s, you think about the Motown era. You think about Barry Gordy and what he was doing there, and you know David Ruffin, the Temptations, all that kind of stuff. And then you have, and of course Smokey Robinson. I mean, you know, all, all that sound, you know, like like things you think of when you hear those songs. Everybody stops and knows it brings oh, you to a time and a place, yes, right? Yes. And and then on the same, you flip the coin over, and then you have Johnny Cash um, taking a different aspect of country blues
1: mm-hmm. and
0: now bringing almost like a country twang sound mm-hmm. from, from the deep South from Memphis, that kind of thing. And he's adding a totally different flavor to sun records, which has Jerry Lee Lewis, which has, um, Elvis, you know, which yeah. had Elvis mm-hmm. obviously. And, and, and so many others. It was a, just a brilliant label. And they, like he, he, he started to evolve the sound out of that does that make sense by kind oh, of yeah. digging back absolutely but going forward right yep.
1: yes yes. and it
0: it's it, it's really interesting like it's really um it's crazy because it shows innovation right and and everybody was kind of an innovator at some point and then everybody jumps on board and does it sure it's kind of like you have the innovators of, of a you know hip hop or something else and then and then everybody else jumps on board and it becomes kind of something and then out of that someone innovates again and takes it to another place right
1: yes yeah and we you know i think that's been somewhat of a theme through this series that we've talked about is I mean, I think in our last episode, one of the things that you had mentioned, Joel, was listening to a lot of vocalists and and thinking about scales and how people do that with their voices and translating that to guitar. Think about that in jazz and what that looks like. Think about what these two guys did and how they really shaped and formed things in such a way that if it hadn't been for Ray Charles, if it hadn't been for Johnny Cash, would we really have some of the people that are here today would would someone like the the Avit brothers exist would you know would someone you know how much was up and we've talked about Prince before too would Prince have seen Ray Charles going before him and have had the courage to do some of the things that, that he did and and you know, not only because he was blind and because he was black, but also as he started saying, hey, I'm going to use an orchestra, or hey, I'm going to do country music, but do it with this kind of flair. One of the things that Charles was criticized for was the fact that he was taking music that sounded like gospel music and sexualizing it, kind of putting this real like, sensuality to it. And people were... We're not happy, to the point that, I mean, I, don't, I think there are probably multiple things that tri- contributed to him being banned from the state of Georgia, but, but that's probably one of the things that, that happened, that, that they just said, look, like you are doing something with the music that we hold dear that we're not happy with. And gosh, it was cancel culture before cancel culture existed, right?
0: <laughs> Listen to me. I was just gonna say, and he got canceled. Oh, absolutely. You know, and and speaking of which, you know, I'm gonna boycott. So, if you're watching the news, you know a lot of stuff that people are boycotting now. You know, Christians. I,
1: I yes. oh gosh, yeah. Don't even I, no. Okay, I, yeah.
0: Christ, Christians. Now, now I'm gonna say this in a. I'm gonna. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm gonna couch <laughs> this. People who would line themselves with being a very conservative Christian, which is fine <clears throat> if you are, no problem. The irony is, typically, they do a lot of boycott and cancel that's been happening for years and years and years, whether it's Dungeons and Dragons or Harry Potter or whatever it is going all the way back, whether it's, you know, canceling Ray Charles or whoever else. But then the complaints are, we just live in a cancel culture where you can't say anything. And it's like, dude... And, and and both extremes get mad at each other and they both cancel and then don't listen to what either extreme wants. So then there's never a conversation and then they're both doing the same thing and they're both mad at the same thing, but it's two different kinds of things that they're canceling. Yes. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. So, it, I, know that, I know that was kind of like a rabbit trail and I'm talking about the extreme ends of things, not yes. where you can ebb and flow in the middle and go, yeah, you know, I see that. I don't really like that or I don't agree with this, but you know, We have free speech and this that and the other Thing and it's like not just free speech when it's Convenient for me and again I'm talking to both Fringes right so like It just it drives me crazy when that stuff Happens because that DNA is still there and So here you have uh, uh, You know and then obviously like you said John when you when you prohibit A thing Mm -hmm. it makes you want To do or Uh, experience it more Really time (laughs) oh big time You know
1: well and and the whole reason why we do what we do on this podcast is because we won't accept that because we really believe yes. that that there's deeper meanings and you know without going all crazy philosophical but but the fact of the matter is you know ecclesiastes says that god set eternity in our hearts and i think people are always looking for That thing that's going to complete them, that's going to make them understand and and feel like they are becoming or are becoming more whole, and the pursuit of that comes out whether somebody would be considered a Christian or a Christ follower or not. That they're constantly looking for, hey, I I I need some kind of closure and restitution in my life to, to come to a place of peace. And not everybody gets there, but you can see in the searching that that's what happens. And to completely, like you said, cancel people or write them off or boycott things or whatever, it, it's just a very negative approach. And st- or we can s- do what we do and say, hey, have you thought about the fact that this is bringing up some good points that we can take into consideration as people who who do, you know, espouse faith and, and a, a relationship with Christ?
0: Exactly. And that's the way we should be operating in life. I mean, I think that that's, that's healthy. We have yes. to... As, you know and, and maybe this is where we're gonna we're gonna take the show and land it for today but the idea is is we have got to be willing if we're gonna keep moving forward if we're gonna create if we're gonna have the ability to create new art to mm-hmm. create new ideas to think to think in bigger ways we have to stop a being afraid that we're losing something that we're not losing yeah and also we have to be be willing to to discuss an open dialogue. I mean, John, we have repeated this a million times. I don't want people who all think like I do. I don't want people. I want people who have commonalities Mm -hmm. and we're closer with people who share core commonalities and core values. But that doesn't mean I don't have friends and people that I admire or respect Mm -hmm. who think differently than me, who have had a different life experience. There's no way. There's no way I could ever understand or connect in a deep way that Ray Charles or Johnny Cash, either one of their experiences, because I didn't have that experience. Mm-hmm. However, I think those two could connect with each other because they do share the experience, oh, big time. even where there are differences within it. Does that make sense? Oh, like, absolutely. We have to get back. Yes, we have it to get does. back to that just because you were born into more wealth or more poverty or, or somewhere in the middle class or whatever it is north south east west wherever you know around the world different country we have to start to find that commonality in humanity which is we all want to leave our mark we want to leave the world a better place generally we want to do good things and you know i mean we know that as humanity we're fallen we know that but sure. like there's this yearning there's this yearning to make your mark mm-hmm. and Man, if people would just start talking, I don't know what has happened, but people just don't, they don't talk and reason. Like why even have debate class in school anymore? Why even teach right. it? Like, right. why are we teaching rhetoric and debate? Why are we teaching it anymore? Because nobody does it. Yes. Even teachers. My my sons have teachers that have such an agenda in class that I don't mind them learning different things because they, they're pretty smart and they have a good faith and they can reason and construct and think. But I talk to them about, do you see how easy it is? How many of your peers, that's the only thing they ever hear or learn. So that's what they take as gospel. And that's what they that's what they take as the absolute truth and how easy it is to to educate a mind. It's kind of like what the the Nazis did to children in kindergarten and up, like in the classroom, and indoctrinating them with thoughts. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like it's so easy to mold the mind of a child. Yep. We have to be careful. So, you know. Thank God, again, and I'm sure your kids are the same way. They can reason and think for themselves. Mm-hmm. But, man, how many parents either don't give a crap or pay attention yes. or even have any assurance of what they think about? Yeah. Like, you know what I
1: mean? Oh, uh, and, and, you know, so, one of the things that, that really just comes to mind, Joel, when you say what you just said is that if our beliefs are that flimsy that we're afraid that they'll crumble when we face someone or something that's against them, then we really need to take a hard look at them. And I think I've seen so many people on both sides of the political spectrum who the moment that they yep. come up against somebody who has a different belief, they just want to shut them down and cancel them. And and you're right. Like you said before, I don't think it's limited to one side or another. I think both sides do it in in their own somewhat unique ways. But, but the fact is if... If we are afraid to face beliefs, ideologies, thoughts, opinions, or whatever that are different than ours, because we're afraid what that's going to do to our own beliefs, then we really need to reevaluate our own beliefs because they're probably not as strong as we think they are. And golly, I... I, Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I I mean, I just wrote a blog post about this recently too, the fact that we've also come to this place not only with cancel culture, but we've come to this place with opinions that people are elevating opinions to be gospel truth. And I'm like, hey, everyone can has an opinion. That's fine. Like we have opinions. We're expressing them right now. There's nothing wrong with that. But we can't pick and choose and say, well, this opinion's more important than that opinion. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I I get so frustrated sometimes with people who who boast about their own open-mindedness. And then you, when you dig a little bit deeper, you find out that they're only open-minded. They're open-minded as long as everyone agrees with them. And I'm like, that's wait a minute, that's that's not open-minded. That's actually really close-minded. Oh. Um, but I mean, to your point, Joel, we need to, and I think the church especially needs to do a better uh-huh. job of saying, hey, are we inviting others? To come in we continue to proclaim the truth we've continued to hold to the the doctrines and convictions and tenets and beliefs but are we willing to say I believe so firmly in what I believe that it can still stand up even when there are things I, there's a great line and I may have used it before but I'm a big YouTube fan and and there's a, a song Bono writes, stop helping God across the street like a little old lady. And I think too often the church plays that game where we feel oh, man, like. Oh that's so good. I mean, we need, we feel like God is this old little, little old lady who needs help crossing the street. And we're like, wait a minute, like he's God. <laughs> why Why do we feel like we, we need to somehow help him? He's the one who fights for us. We don't fight for him. I mean, just been looking through. Uh, yep, yeah. dude, keep going. <laughs> no, I mean, I just, I've been just Sorry. looking in the Old Testament recently, too, about God sending, like, he went before the Israelites, before they went into the land, and he said specifically, I go before you and I fight for you, and yet somehow we flip that all behind and we're like, all right, God, I'm going to go before you, pave the way, make sure that, you know, It's the right way to go. And I'm thinking to myself, how pretentious are we that we think that somehow or another we can protect God, we can pave the way for God? It's like, wait, we've got it all backwards here. He's the one who's supposed to be going before us, paving the way, fighting for us, whatever. But now I'm preaching. Sorry.
0: Well, I'll add one more to it, to your sermon on the Mount there, and that's this. (laughs) Let me let me let me flip let me flip the coin yeah there's one more thing is there's a certain sect of people within our both of our societies Mm -hmm. who not only think that they're protecting or helping God along But they also are trying to protect our sovereign culture, Mm. that it would not be infiltrated with the evils of of the evil people in the world. And we need to abide, because if we don't, then God's going to take his favor and his hand off of us as if we are all Israel, and this is the Old Testament. So what they are actually doing is they're actually living just like... The Pharisees and right. the the teachers of the law who yes. created excessive rules on top of the commands, which people couldn't follow. And then it bogged them down. And what Christ said, as we get into Easter here, he, he said to them that you are actually boggling people to the point where not only can they not possibly do this, but you're not even helping them. And what you're actually doing is keeping them from the kingdom of God mm-hmm. you're keeping them from actually getting to me by what you do so while in theory it's a good thing to fight for God or to protect these things he doesn't need us to it's his job it's our job to live like him it's our job to live as ambassadors for him it's our job to love people the way he wants us to and to show them Christ so so you know that's that's what people need, and that's why we need to be willing to, like, I'm not threatened by anybody's point of view. I'm not sure. threatened by people if they talk about sex, sexual identity, if they talk about um, drugs or drinking, if they talk about addictions, if they talk about foreigners or people coming to live from these places, man, because I know what's up with my own heart and soul. I have nothing to fear. Whether mm-hmm. my, my freedoms are stripped away or I'm sent to prison camp, I have nothing to fear. However, you know, I've got a mission. And that's what we need to get back to. We need to get back to what is the mission or is this your permanent home and you're just going to fight for that and that's it. You know yes. what I mean? Oh, so, yeah. I mean, now we've gotten way down the trail, but, but the point is it all stems from when you look at these guys mm-hmm. and you look at the stories of how they've evolved and they're a part of our culture. These people dealt with struggles and imagine if they just tried to cancel everybody who was mean to them.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean that's not how life works. Oh gosh! Nobody's
0: gonna hand give my hand out. They don't care.
1: <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> you know, the, one of the other notes that I'd written down was there was this one moment in the film that's depicted when Reese Witherspoon is is shopping, and the the woman who works at the store comes up and approaches her, and and really gets down on her for her divorce and. I mean, look, everyone's, oh, yeah. everyone's going to land in different places in terms of divorce. We can read what the Bible says. We can see other things. But the fact of the matter is, like, are we being gracious to people? And this idea of being gatekeepers for the kingdom of God, I think, you know, the only gatekeeper to the kingdom of God is God himself. And um Again, right. I, I think when when we get so caught up, I think about the beautiful relationship that, especially in their later years, when you would read things and see things about Johnny and June, and just this incredible love story that was there, I think a lot of that played in, was a lot of that came out of the hardships that they experienced both as individuals and then as a couple, and the fact that, june came alongside johnny when he was trying to get straight and clean and sober and i'm sure that that contributed a lot to the the love that was between them but but they had a strong faith as well and that faith was pretty evident Mm -hmm. in in those later years in the things that they did and sang and shared and And again, are you going to dismiss all that because somebody makes mistakes along the way? And I, you know, I just, I don't see Jesus doing that in the gospels. I don't see God say, God doesn't say, hey, keep doing what you're doing. It's fine. It's good. But he also doesn't say, all right, until you get your stuff together and come follow me, then I'm not going to like... Look at you. So I I think there's something that we all need to consider too about you know what is the the progression of people and how are we how are we letting again we're not playing God in the midst of stuff and and are we are we letting grace reign in the difficulties and challenges of life and these are two guys who like you said before. They made, they made mistakes. I don't know that I, I mean, you might call Ray Charles a womanizer, maybe not as great as some others, but did he learn some lessons along the way? And, and do you completely discriminate against him because of that? I I just, I don't know. I think it's throwing the baby out with the bathwater.
0: Big time. Well, and on that note, John, yeah, I would say um, I hope that you, as a listener, got many things out of the episode—not uh, <laughs> just random rambling, but but many aspects that that you know, music and life and these people's stories. Behind every musician you listen to is a real story, and and a life that they lived and a life that they've had, and it's part of you know the it's part of the 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 art and the tragedy behind it so what can we learn from these things is our point and what mistakes do we keep making over and over again and how can we continue to you know evolve as human beings and and especially in our walk to grow right yeah. and and uh so i would leave you with that is just be open be open to listen to people and don't be threatened by them don't yes. be threatened yeah. just be open to listen maybe right. you might learn a little something new or yeah. have a little more empathy or compassion for yeah. someone
1: yeah absolutely and that's all i'm gonna say yeah yeah I think that's a good a good place to land too. And if you haven't seen these movies, check them out. I I, I know that probably more so with Johnny Cash than Ray Charles. People are either love him or hate him. With with uh, Johnny Cash, I know lots of people who really really love Johnny Cash. Lots of people who hate Johnny Cash. With a with a catalog the size of both of these guys, it's really hard in some ways to know where to start. So, um, you know,
0: why don't, why don't you put together a, why don't you put together an essential list and post it on our media?
1: No, oh, we could. Yeah. That's, that's a, a good of idea. Essential,
0: we'll, we can pull out a few essential favorite. Actually we can, here's what we'll do. We'll go back through some of our episodes here and, uh, we can put a little list of some, some like those essentials that you should check out. I think yes, that sounds fun.
1: That sounds really good. And, and cause, cause again, one, one of the things that we hope I think one of the things Joel and I have talked about throughout our episodes is that one of the th- one of what we would like our listeners to get out of this is yes, not only looking at the deeper meaning and some of the things that we talk about, but also expanding your palette a little bit and saying, Hey, some of these things are things that I was never exposed to before. So and and knowing that I mean Joel and I both have different stories even in how we came about in music. Joel, your dad was much more into some of the more popular music and helped with that. I had to f- do a lot of that searching and finding on my own. Uh, and I have, I know what an incredibly daunting task it can be <laughs> to look at a catalog like Johnny Cash's or Ray Charles or even others like Charlie Parker that we talked about.
0: And that's what's good about like you know Apple Music and Spotify and all that. They have those essential playlists, and that's mm -hmm. a good place to start too. Yes,
1: absolutely. So so check it out. Again, it may it may not be for everybody. I, I think the thing about Johnny Cash is there are people who didn't necessarily like him in the early days of, of Get Rhythm or Folsom Prison Blues or. Uh, Ring of Fire, but who in those Rick Rubin years later on, they're like, well, I I, I kind of like his renditions of a Nine Inch Nails song or you know another song. So check it out. Both of them have diverse enough enough play um, catalogs too that uh, that I think you can probably find something there. And you don't have to celebrate their entire catalog in order to be. You knew I was going to sneak that in there, didn't you, (laughs) Joe?
0: Of course, because I do, I do celebrate all of it. No, just kidding. I I can't tell you how many times i thought about Michael Bolton. I do want to leave this with people. Um, One of the last albums Ray Charles recorded, and I have it on CD, Mm. is called Ray Charles' uh, Genius Loves Company. Mm -hmm. And he did an incredibly brilliant album with so many artists that we love. Yes. Um, You know, just duets with Natalie Cole, Elton John, Mm -hmm. Nora Jones, B.B. King, Gladys Knight, just to name a few um and so many more michael mcdonald uh van morrison diana crawl so check out that album like mm. it's awesome mm. and that's a good place to <laughs> to jump in if you i mean just like you were talking about with cash doing some of those renditions they they, they keep hanging in there at the end and uh mm-hmm. um yeah listen don't 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 try to appreciate it before it's too late, is all i got to say. So good. Well,
1: and that's where, again, I some people are going to have strong opinions about Lady Gaga, but that's where someone like a Lady Gaga is so... No, I think she's very talented. Awesome, because yeah. of what she did with Tony Bennett. I think she... When her coming alongside Tony Bennett, doing those duet albums with him and stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I love... That's a great album. I'm glad you brought that up, Joel. So, really good. Uh, if, if you want to start somewhere with Ray Charles, that's actually a really good good because it kind of bridges old and new it, it brings him together with some more current modern artists as well so check that out and like joel said we'll we'll try to post something up in the next week or so or or maybe it may already be up on our social media posting some recommended playlists and and essentials places to start with some of the past episodes that we've looked at. We've got a couple more episodes here in this series and uh, we're, we're inching up close to our 25th episode as well, which we're going to do a little bit. uh, We're going to keep in this, we're going to keep in this series, but uh, we're going to look at one of my favorites during that episode as well. And then we'll have one more after that, before we start i going into some new ground again and, and looking at some other films. We, we appreciate some of the recommendations that have come out. I know somebody mentioned the eyes of Tammy Faye, which it's on my radar. I don't know when we'll get to it. Um, the new Batman movie, uh, is out. It's, you know, you
0: and I should try to s- some of those, um, we should try to like, uh, like group watch it. You and I, Oh, we'll that, that, would those, that would be amazing. Interesting to do some of those. Oh yeah. Yeah. Actually. So uh, off the episode, we'll talk more about that.
1: Yeah, no, that's good. But thank good. you for
0: the recommendations from you guys.
1: Yeah, thanks. And keep listening, please. If, if you're liking what you're hearing, if you're finding that there are some things that are that are good for you and expanding your palette, by all means, please share it out. Because the only way that other people know about what's going on on Between the Frames is as you all share that out. So wherever you listen, I, I just noticed that Spotify... Has a, a re, not a review, but a, uh, you can rate podcasts now. I don't I don't know if they always had that or not, but um, Amazon's doing podcasts as well. And I know we should be available on Amazon Podcasts. So check us out wherever you yeah, listen. Yep, and uh, share it, review it. Um, we would love to get some more listeners, and we appreciate all of you who have been listening. So. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening, and hope you enjoyed the episode. We will see you next time when we look between the frames.
0: Thanks for listening to Between the Frames with John and Joel. If you like what you've heard today, please remember to click subscribe and give a share and a follow on social media. Each episode will look to dive into the deeper meanings behind movies, music, and culture as it relates to life and faith. Thanks for listening and see you next time.